Hey, y'all. Eric Adcock, This Awkward Life. Excited about today's podcast. Going to be talking to uh, my good friend, Cody Thrash. Met Cody about uh, three years ago when he and his wife uh, came to the church. And um, on the outside, everything, I thought these uh, this beautiful couple had everything together. And, and maybe they did, but uh, speaking with Cody and, and, and becoming good friends with him later, I know that there was some issues. And uh, But they have become such a wonderful and beautiful part of our, our church family. Um, he's got a wonderful uh, wife named Samantha, two beautiful daughters. And um, he has become such an uh, inspiration uh, to me. Um, great singer, good songwriter. He's always uh, there to, uh, we've almost uh, single-handedly made nursing home ministry cool. And, uh, but uh, his zeal for teaching the Word of God and learning the Word of God is unbelievable. And um, I want to welcome to my podcast today, Cody Thrash. Cody, how are you doing? Eric, I'm doing great, man. I'm so thankful that you'd have me on. I appreciate that. Well, we have been talking, um, and we have become really good friends in the last couple of years, but it really wasn't the reason why I wanted you on. The reason I wanted you on is uh, because you have been doing so much for the kingdom of God in the last, uh, has it been three years since y'all been in church? Almost four at this Almost point. Almost four. Mm-hmm. Um, and it always seems like, and it's the way I think that it should be in the kingdom of God, <coughs> excuse me, that uh, you've always been here. It doesn't seem like you were ever an outsider. You That's and Sam just, yeah, <coughs> excuse me. And uh, you and Sam have just, come in there and fill such a such a gap, uh, such a void that we were missing in the church. And um, so we're going to talk about a lot of things today. But one thing I want to jump in real quick, the, the, some I like to throw the hardball questions out there first. Okay. And I know, that, um, <laughs> I know that you have uh, been a recovering uh, Dr. Pepper drinker. I'm failing it. Right. Yeah, I know. I Did seen you see that me today? I seen that today. I was pretty, I, know, I, was, I, was, I wasn't going to turn my back on that. Oh. But I guess as a um, connoisseur of Dr. Pepper, I want to ask you a, a serious question on this is, um, uh, Mr. Pibb and Dr. Pepper, is that the same drink, different bottle, no, or is it totally different? Give me your take on that no, real sir. quick. It's Dr. Pepper or it's nothing. There's 23 flavors in Dr. Pepper. Right. And nobody knows those exact 23 flavors. There's some people who's guessed, and they've gotten, I'd say, 95%, but there's a lot in 5%. And, uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of Mr. Pibb. Right. I will drink one, but I'm not. That's but that's going to be in a crunch. It's in a bad crunch you're oh, bringing yeah. Mr. Pibb out. That's like when you go to the, the, the gas station, right, to get a drink, and the Dr. Peppers and the Mr. Pibbs are chilling right beside each other, and somebody just refilled the Dr. Peppers, so they're hot, but the Mr. Pibbs are cold. Mr. Pibb. Right. Any other time, it's Dr. Pepper. You're missing the 23 flavors, but oh. you're trying to get something to drink. Oh, I yeah. understand. Yeah. Um, I hit on a little bit, and I don't know the, the entire story, and I want you to talk about just what you want to talk about. Uh, I know that when I had first met you, uh, you were uh, you and Sister Sam were coming around. Um, I think you may have been a little skeptical of, uh, of, of some things and maybe a little skeptical <laughs> of me. I, I think I'm a little over. Uh, I, I may become a little too strong with, with my... Uh, happy-go-lucky type stuff, but anyway, so I, I messaged you on Facebook. We wasn't friends. I messaged mm-hmm. you on Facebook. I think I think I sent you a friends request, and uh, I don't know if it was an automatic reply or not. But you, I got this. Don't follow me here. Follow me on my band page. So I know you were doing. Yeah. Um, you were playing in a, a rock band yeah. out there, and uh, so you had a, a little bit different of a lifestyle than you have now. And I don't want to glory in that, but I think it'd be great for the listeners to kind of know where the last four years where where you and your family have come from. Do you mind mm-hmm. sharing some of that with us? Yeah, well, so like all throughout high school, I was in a band. Uh, it started off in the marching band, you know, and then and then like I hit that emo stage right. in like sophomore year. 
where I'm like, I want to listen to screamo metal. And, right. and we started a screamo band in my garage. Oh my God. And my parents hated it, but we did it. Right. You know, and our neighbors hated it. My daddy would always like, he made us let down the garage and we'd have to hang up, yeah. um, what are those things? Eggshells, like the old cheapo. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'd have to hang those all over the garage door on the inside to kind of stop some of the, some of the sound because we were horrible. You know, and we took band pictures and we screamed and we hollered and and then in in oh long, so so much there. But I've right. always been a part of music. Yeah. Music's always been a part of me. It's just so much to gather on that. I just wanted to hit the background, but to me, when I I played music at a young age, it was more of a less just to uh, try to impress you know girls. I wasn't in the marching band or anything like that. But the more I know you, you've gotten several musical talents. You play drums, you play mm-hmm. guitar, you play piano, mm-hmm. you sing. Uh, was music more of a, you know, you always hear, oh, music's my escape, bro, and all this. Was it was it any type of escape or rebellion? You don't seem like you've ever been a rebellious nature type of young man, but was it more just the love of music that brought you into that? Love of music. Yeah. I've always loved, like, I, I remember my first album was the, the my, all I knew when I was growing up was country. Right. The first album was the Metallica Black album. I found it. Yeah. I don't know where it came to me, how it came to me, but I found it. And I loved that album. And I was like 11, I think, when that came out. And I listened to that song over and over and over, or that, that album, excuse me. And I just fell in love with rock and roll. My parents wouldn't necessarily let me listen to it. Actually, when I, when I was 11, there wasn't even a rock and roll station available to us in Mississippi. Right. Like as far as like the, I guess, um, the, the rock that I liked. There was some old classic stations but then Rock 93.9 came out. Right. I don't know if you remember that radio station. I, I, thought, I think I was living in Starville at the time. Oh, okay, yeah, well, anyway. Rock 93.9 came out, and it was just like a whole new world, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and it just, it, I don't know, it just went from there. But I've always had a love of music. And I'll tell you how strong that love of music was, is later on in my life, when I was in my 20s, I was a pretty strong alcoholic. Right. I lived my life pretty drunk and pretty high for about nine years, and... But I had this rule that I never got drunk on stage. Okay. And I and I kicked out a lot of band members because they got drunk on stage. And I, I had this this idea that if I was going to play in front of people, it was going to be good. Right. And it wasn't going to be us just being up there sloppy. I even told my guys, you can act drunk if you want. Right. But you better be sober. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, I kind of like to look back and say, well, you know, in my time of no morals, right. I had some. <laughs> right. And I feel that because yeah. I, I think we connect on a lot of different levels. And, and that's uh, one of the, I had that type of morals, too, although we didn't go to church and all that. I had a, a mom that would beat me <laughs> and, and, and a dad that would, would, would help hold the belt, you know. Sure. But um, so there was a lot of things going on at that time. And I know uh, I can remember back, just thinking back, you know, Sister Sam would come and bring Evelyn, you, and you didn't come at first, <laughs> but uh, she would come, and I could just remember her just getting blessings and, and things like that, and then uh, you would come, and then uh, y'all, just, y'all just got in there, yep. and uh, tell me what that was like going from this type, because y'all were playing pretty good, pretty big shows, oh, yeah. and I know, I know that your band was, uh, I don't know if they were signed at the time, but they were looking. We weren't. We, we, were, we were prospecting. But prospecting, and uh, so... Here you were as a musician, everything that you had kind of uh, wanted was here it was, right in your cuss, mm-hmm. your hand, and then Sam, she goes off to this crazy church or, or looks for the Lord or whatever. So what was that like? And Miss Evelyn was probably four at the time. She was three? maybe more like two or two three. Two or three. Yeah. And uh, so what was that like as far as the conversations? And, and I'm going to have Sam on the on the podcast oh, too. My. But uh, <laughs> what was that conversation like uh, after church at night? Well... Samantha and I, and I'm just going to be blunt and honest because that's the only way I know to be. 
I'm not ashamed of my past because it glorifies God. I believe in every, you know. So we were pretty much at the point where we were like, all we all it was going to take was one of us to to say divorce. Right. And but the only reason we we hadn't yet is because I was from a family of divorce uh, a divorced family, and she her parents were having trouble. Anyway, we just didn't want to do that. Right. Plus we had a you know we had Evelyn at the time, and but regardless. You know, and again, I'll just be honest. I didn't like her, and she didn't like me, and I didn't like who I was. And it's hard to like anybody else in your life if you don't like who you are. Right. That's where it stems from. Is I didn't like who I was, and so I covered up all of my problems as best I could with drinking and alcohol and things of that nature. And and, and that's why I'm try. I try to be real easy on people who are drunks because I know. What, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying it's right. I just know the mindset. Right. Um. But yeah, it was weird. The main thing is because Samantha didn't grow up in Mississippi. Um, she grew up, well, she was a Navy brat, so she right. traveled all over, and they didn't really have a church life. They were, you know, visit church on Easter and Christmas type. But you were Bible Belt, oh, basically, yeah. and people forget that in, in whether or not your family were to take you to church regularly in Mississippi, so to speak, you're right there in the buckle of it, yeah. and you're going to get a good dose of it from grandparents or oh, yeah. people like that. So, didn't yeah, so go ahead. No, you're good. So I knew about church. Like, I mean, I grew up. My my parents were what you would call devout Baptists. Right. We were at every church service. We were in. The, I was in the youth group, and you know that was just a part of my life. Um, but it was just that was just it was just a you know, a hangout for me right. as a kid. I didn't really, all I knew was what everybody said. I didn't have a heart knowledge of anything of God. And so I knew all the cliches. I knew all the, um, you know, hey, don't don't get around them tongue talkers. They're crazy right. type scenario. People who'd never even been through the doors, what they had said. And and so when Samantha started coming to church here, well, you know, I was upset. Right. I was like, man, I don't, this is going to, if she starts going to church there, because the deal is in some churches, I'm just to be honest, some churches you can go to and you can keep your lifestyle. Right. But there's other churches, and whether it's whether it's biblical or not, however you want to think about it, no matter what, you, you, you have to assimilate to their design. Right. And that's okay. That's not cultish. That's not bad. It's just, it's, it's safety. Right. Um, now that I understand those things, but I knew she was going to, I knew it was going to be... <laughs> A total cramp on my style. Right, yeah. You knew it was like, okay, here's the curveball. It was a curveball. Right. Because I knew here's the next. I was also, although I didn't like her and she didn't like me, I didn't want to lose her. Exactly. Because she's all I've ever had. Right. You know, she, her and I ran away together when we were 17. We've been together since. And so she's, she's been there for me through everything. She's, she's really, well, again, all I had. Yeah. And so I didn't want to lose her, but I also thought I wanted this band so yeah. bad that I was willing to. Um, and I knew, I knew it was going to be no telling how long because she would, and I thought, well, she's going to find somebody, some good church man that's going to take care of her. He's going <laughs> to sweep her off her feet. And I, part, part of me didn't even care. Yeah. It was like, well, okay, good. Maybe she'll find somebody that'll treat yeah. her right. Cause I wouldn't treat her right. Yeah. And so I thought, well, I don't like it, but whatever. Yeah. And so I told her to come. I told her to go partly because, you know, uh, Pine Grove Pentecostal church, as you know, there's stuff going on around here all the time. Right, yeah. And so she wasn't in the youth group, but she was coming on Friday nights to visit because she, I was at a bar. Right. Playing in some bar. And then, and Saturday, somebody was inviting her out to lunch or something, you know. And, and then Sunday, uh, she was gone all day. And I was like, yes, free time without yeah. Sam bothering me. And, right. Um, 
but then I noticed a change. Yeah. I mean, the the day she, now I look back on it and it's so clear, Brother Eric. The, the Sunday that she got the Holy Ghost, I didn't know what it was. Right. But when she walked in that leaky camper that we lived in at the time, I could see it. Yeah. Now I know. Now when somebody gets the Holy Ghost and they're, yeah. we have a convert come in, somebody new, just last couple Sundays ago, I saw, I saw that same countenance. And so now I know it's the Spirit of God. And at that time I was like, hmm. And so I made the comment to her, and she laughs about it now, but I made the comment, you know, how long is it going to, how long is it going to be before you start having to dress like them? Yeah. How long is it going to be before you, you know? And she she just ignored me. Right. She You know, because that wasn't on her mind. It wasn't about the those things. It was just, she found something yeah. from God. And you mentioned, not mean to cut you off, but no, no. knowing where you're at now, uh, you have a business. Mm-hmm. You're, uh, you're back in school. We'll talk about that. Uh, you have a beautiful home. That leaky camper that you were living in, it's amazing what, and it's it's not it's amazing, but it's not amazing because that's just what that's how God does it. You know, he, yeah. he picks you up and pulls you out, and then he uh, he sets you up as an example. I believe that's what he's done with you and, and Sam. And um, so, um, thinking back on that leaky camper, uh, do you ever just lay awake at night? I know you got so many projects going on at your house. You're putting down floor, and you're doing all mm-hmm. of this. Do you ever just think about that leaky camper and just think, just just? I, I know you do thank God, but. Where you're at now, where you and Sam with the two girls and your own home that's just about paid for, I'd mm-hmm. like to, to say. Uh, take me through that. What do you think about when you think about that, where you come from just in such a short period of time? I think about specifics. Yeah. You are a very specific. I want to talk about that later. Yeah. You are down to the T specific. If you ever heard this man teach and preach, he's down. I'm going to be 30 minutes in at at. 29 minutes and 58 <laughs> seconds you're wrapping up but go ahead I've got it planned yeah, you know? yeah. And, I, and I say that I've got it planned but God had it planned right. see I was, I was in the military and I think you, you might yeah, hear more talk about, about that, that too yeah. but the military the way they train you is they break you down to nothing so that they can build you back up the way they want you built up and so for the two years before I got in church God broke me down to nothing right and I want to say that God even allowed me to drink myself into stupor more regularly. He even he allowed me to find drugs more regularly. I'm I'm not trying to be sacrilegious. I'm just saying he broke me down right. to my very last well to thoughts of suicide. Oh man. And and but but it was okay because when I accepted him and when he was able to accept me because of my repentance. Yeah. He began to build me back up in the way that he wanted me built. And man, he sure has done that. I thank God for that. Yeah. But he did it because, not because I'm perfect by any means, but because, and I don't, I I hate to say this, but it's the truth. I've given myself to God. Right, you have. That's all, I've I've not done anything special. I've not been perfect. I've sinned today, earlier. Right. But. (laughs) The whole Dr. Pepper thing. Probably (laughs) more than that. Anyway, go ahead. But I've given my life to him. You have. So that's where it's going to go. In the last several years, I've watched you and Sam um, y'all developed a, uh, a a music department really for a, sister, a daughter work that we have here from Morales. Uh, when they started the church, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly, they didn't have any. They didn't have a musician team or anything there. You they and really Sam didn't. would. You and Sam would go. We'd have church at. Um, uh, we y'all have to be here at eleven thirty, but y'all would go for service and mm-hmm. lead worship there. And then you'd come and be in service. You were doing like three churches, three services a, a Sunday. All the time with Evelyn, and I know how that oh, is yeah. to, to bring little babies. And then um, 
you help there and now they're a thriving church they've got their own music department mm -hmm. and again i said like the nursing home so many great memories with that for covid knocked us out but um it was uh, every sat one saturday month you were you were there leading mm -hmm. worship and and um giving of yourself to uh to really um if you want a ministry it's just a little plug out there if you want a ministry get your nursing home ministry <laughs> ain't that the truth <laughs> because that is one of the most um it can be one of the most frustrating but they also one of the most um redeeming things that you can do is spend mm -hmm. some time with some people that pretty much have been left but honestly in the last um three to four years y'all are just giving yourself liberally um also to college and career and to the youth to uh what we do here coffee guitars and jesus so uh it probably seems like a whirlwind but y'all have just been at it the entire time yep and no regrets none well you know when you do things for god it's not a burden right you know, people would ask us when we were helping with Brother Morales, oh, don't y'all get tired of going to that much church? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. The, the body <laughs> yeah, does yeah, get tired. Sure, yeah. But the spirit never... Right. You know, my desire to be to help Brother Morales never ended. Right. It only... it only Not my desire ended, but all I knew is that we had to go to something else. Sure. We had we had to move on. They were ready to, to go on their own and didn't need us. Right. You know, um, it was just a blessing to yes. us. It was, it, and it it taught Samantha and I so much, but it wasn't a burden, right? You know, a nursing home, Saturday morning nursing homes, was like the funnest thing I did all right. month. They were, well, and it doesn't seem like it, because to the it, say for example, if you're going to choose, you're going to say, okay, I'm going to go in this. I just want to give some time of my time and go into the nursing home and read them a book. You'd hate it, right? Because it'd be such a burden after a little while. Yeah. But when you've got the Lord on your side and you're doing it for God. There's no burden. Yeah. You walk in there and you see those old people begin to smile, and and they want to love on you, yeah. and they want to. I mean, I've, they've tried to kiss me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, but it's not a burden. Yeah. Same with the youth. You know, you, the youth can have you out late. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> early into Saturday morning, sure. but you love them, right? And it's not a burden, right? So although a whirlwind, yeah, yeah. not a burden. You know. You talked about the youth and things like that, and that's one thing that I want to touch base on. And I want to get into some of the military things, and especially the story about how you and Sam joined together. I find mm -hmm. that just to be great. But you know, as a soldier, you probably remember your your DI, your drilling sergeant, your drill instructor, probably more than you do the lieutenant or somebody like mm -hmm. that, because right. you know, they're in the trenches with you. That's right. And that's kind of what I've always kind of preached for for people that are helping with the young people and helping with the youth. You got to get in there with them. Mm -hmm. You know, you, it's it's easy to plan something and set back, but until you sleep on the floor of a hotel because you're giving up your bed for a couple of kids and. Uh, until you uh, you eat the the uh, the mall pizza for about a week, or <laughs> you stay in a um, a um, a youth camp with no air or little air for about a week in Louisiana in a July, you know that's the day, that's the time they remember. They'll never forget that. So I want to thank you all again for for jumping in there. The military. Now, I don't remember if I remember this correctly, but. If I'm telling, I want you to tell it, but you decided to join. Samantha decided to join. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, so, so she, Samantha decided to join. Yeah. You're like, well, you're not going without me. That's exactly tell me right. Tell that story and then how it's just amazing because y'all were, wasn't supposed to even be on the same. You, you tell that a little bit about that. Yeah, well, like in the military, generally, <laughs> and it may, be, it may have changed now, but back in the day, there was no fraternization. You know, the males and females were split completely up. Um, you know, you, you trained together, but that was about it. Right. 
Um, and you're not supposed to date or married couples aren't supposed to be in the military together. I mean, it's just for a bunch of reasons. But yeah, we were in college and it was just, well, we didn't have any money, didn't know how we were going to pay for it. There's that second semester where they start actually telling you, hey, you're not going back to college unless you pay this right. this previous yeah. year off. You mean that, I got to pay for this? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Like, oh, you know, and I failed half my classes. Yeah. And uh, Samantha, though, she's so intelligent. She was like, um, somebody, one of the recruiters she was friends with or something, and and uh, they talked her into joining. She says, she comes home one day, she says, hey, I'm joining the military. I'm like, what? No. You know, <laughs> I don't want to do that because I was partying. We were yeah. You're just having a horrible time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so she she talked to a recruiter. And I said, if you're going, I'm going. Okay. So you know? that's, I, that was, I, I thought it was the other way around. So Samantha drug, Sister Sam drug you into the military. Yeah, she did. So this was, the military was nothing that you envisioned. Oh, no. I guess I had the story wrong. So you're, and I can see it now because you're too busy with music oh, yeah. and partying. Yeah, and I was in the collegian, collegians. Yeah. I was having a good time. We was going to that's, Orlando yeah, and all that's that. That's so. totally not the military. Oh, no. I've been the collegians. I know that's just not the military. <laughs> not the at military. All. So, uh, but tell, I didn't want to interrupt, but tell a little bit more about that because it was really kind of a miracle. The, the Lord, again, working Put behind the scenes, uh, kind of stuck y'all together. Tell, yeah. Talk about that a well, little bit. In the Mississippi National Guard, H City, not every city, but a lot of the larger cities will have uh, guard armories. Right. And those guard armories are job-specific. And so like in our area, in Carthage, it was like a, an infantry unit. Um, but Forrest, uh, Newton, Bay Springs, and Morton are all what's called air defense. Okay. So there's an air defense unit right there in our area. And so what they do when they get you in, they they try to put you in a unit that's close to your home so that you're not driving two hours to drill right. on a weekend. And so they, they signed Samantha up. They signed us both up. They're pretty much putting us in at the same time. Um, we're both passing physicals and I had to get clean. I had to spend some time. Right. Uh, she got in before me technically because I couldn't take my drug test. Um, <laughs> okay. So I had to get clean. I told my drills or not my drill sergeant, my recruiter, I was like, Hey man, how long is it going to take? Right. Yeah. He was like, Oh, well let's, let's do some at home tests right. until you get clean. Coaching so, you. Okay, yeah. Right. Yeah. So it took me about three weeks. Hey, I probably shouldn't have said that <laughs> recruiters. No, it's true. It's, it happens, whatever. Everybody knows, but it took about three weeks and being that that was the only unit close enough to us, we both chose air defense. And at that time, this was this was 2009. This was when air defense was like all the rage, right? Because there's you know uh, rock. That was one of the main uh, forms of um, of fighting overseas was mortars and rockets right. and things of that nature. And so air defense is a combat t- towards that. And so they were needing that bad. So they're going to also put you where they need you, regardless of what you want to do. They say you can, oh, anything you want, but no, they give you a list of what they need. And so they signed us up both. Um, They put me, prospect to be in Forest Battery, and for her to be in Newton, because again, we were supposed to be separate. But they didn't know, the recruiters didn't know y'all were a couple. Oh, yeah, yeah. They did. Oh, yeah. Okay. I would name his name, but I'm not going to. Okay, don't do that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. See, I I know, I've known him all my life, so he he knew us. And um, so, yeah, they put us in separate separate batteries, parts of the unit to be, you know. And she got in about a month before me, so they were expecting her ship date and then me ship about a month after. Okay. So there's no way we'd be yeah. in the same. It would be, because basic's 10 weeks long. Yeah. And they start a new class every two weeks or so. It's just a constant rotation. And so they were expecting me about a month later. Well, I, I don't know how it happened, but 
I ended up leaving first somehow. I ended up leaving first, and when I got to my prep station, um, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, where we were going to have basic, I was in like a holding for like a week. And I didn't know why. I was like, what's going on? Uh, You know, because you're just chilling in this barrack open, and all you do is eat and sleep, eat and sleep. And And they're working you out a lot, trying to get you in shape. Well, I wait a week, and then all of a sudden, one day I'm in chow, and you see, like, you're kind of getting used to it, so you're kind of calmed down a little bit. The drill sergeants aren't screaming at you yet because you're not really in basic. And I see Samantha walk in. She's all, like, boxed up. I wish I could, I wish I could explain it. But she's all stiff, you know, carrying her little tray, and, and she's walking through. And so I'm like, what? So I just get up and walk over. I'm like, what are you doing here? She's like, get away from me. We're not supposed to be talking, you know. It, Anyway, <laughs> that's crazy. And so we ended up. We was like, okay, there's no way we'll be in the same basic training right. course because there's at any given time there's eight or ten companies of basic trainees at the time because all everybody at that time trained in the summer. And so there's like, oh yeah, well she'll go somewhere and I'll go somewhere. But when they started calling rosters for us to go to our company for training, we were in the same list. Wow. And I was like, whoa, this is weird. And so we end up going to the same company, and we end up getting placed in the same platoon. Now, if if you don't know what, for those who are listening, don't know what that means. Your company is like four hundred trainees, right? And that's the big, like the overhead. And then your individual platoon is, you know, forty, fifty, or a hundred. Your group, right? These are the ones you're actually going to train with. And um, yeah, so we were together the whole time, the whole ten weeks. We hit it. We wrote each other letters, and we would mail them, and then they would come right back uh. through the mail because we couldn't give it to each other. Because the drill sergeants, they're hawks, right? You know, they're they're, and it's not that it would have been a big deal for us because we were, but they don't want soldiers sneaking sure. off, and yeah, you know. But I guess I guess that was really nice. And then, uh, of course, after basic, mm-hmm. uh, y'all were shipped off to yeah. We went to uh, advanced individual training together, which is actually training for our job. We were in that together. And we actually told our instructors when we got there because once you get out of basic, you're in the real army. Right. You're, you're not really. Yeah. You can, you know, you're in the real army. So, so we told them it's like, hey, we're engaged. We're, you know, we've been together for years. You won't have any problems out of us. We done made up our mind. We weren't gonna. Yeah. Be sneaking around or anything, right. you know, and because we really wanted at this point when you're when you get out of basic, you want to do well. Pretty gung ho at this. Point. Oh yeah, we was all we was in shape. Right. We were. It was amazing. You did 10 years, and I did Sister 10. Sam did? Six. Six. Okay, yep. go ahead. So, yeah, we, we were home for about a year. We got married, and uh, our first deployment was to Iraq. Iraq. And we were separate there. I was in uh, Basra, Iraq, which is southern Iraq, and she was in Baghdad. She actually sat on Saddam Hussein's throne. Did she really? She did, yeah. I, oh, my Lord, I can't wait. To, <laughs> I have the picture somewhere. Are there somewhere. pictures for that? Can there I is. post this to that? I'll, 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 I'll find it, that. yeah. Um, so, I know y'all have been together as civilians, and you went through the military part together, and then to have her in Baghdad and you were somewhere else, that had to have just been torture for you. Oh, it's horrible. I mean, because, but probably in another way, if you'd been right there, you'd been, you'd probably been so protective of mm-hmm. her, you know. So oh, tell yeah. me a little bit about the separation during that time when you were, when y'all were over there. The separation's okay because you're so isolated anyway, right. and you really just kind of, Realize that the only people you're going to be around is your platoon, right. your, your people, your group. Uh, and where we went, there was only about eight of us. They split my unit up so thin across the state of uh, the country of Iraq that my group was really small. And the people that I actually um, 
hung out with or, or worked with on a daily basis was the same two people the whole time. So that's the, we had the same sleep schedule because there's three shifts and, you know, it was, it wasn't too bad in that sense, but this is at the time when like Skype was pretty big. Right. And so, and the way Iraq, way any overseas country works is as long as there's no um, unnotified deaths, you can have your internet. And so, you know, a lot of times the internet's up and you can Skype and talk and, and it's no big deal, you know, because this is 2011. The internet was, you know, pretty fast then. Um, but then all of a sudden, you, the internet would go black. All was comms. By, was that by design? By design. All was comms it? go black when somebody's killed overseas oh, until the family can be notified. Okay. And so the reason is they don't want soldiers posting on Facebook or contacting parents. Oh, you yeah. know. It, they want they want to do the military thing, the proper thing, and have you know a, a doctor and, a, and an officer go visit that family and, and yeah. give that news. So internet would go black, and for two, three, five days, you have no clue what's going on. You don't know who's died, and so in the back of your mind, what you're wondering, well, is is yeah. that Samantha? Did y'all get hit? Or something? Yeah. Uh, and she's the same thing, same you know. Thing. So because it, it's it's moments notice, and yeah. I was the guy that got to turn off the internet because my job overseas was to keep the uh, comms running. And so I would be, I'd just get an email, go black. And so I was the only one with internet, but I couldn't use it. It was just for email. But then, so then the other, the other thing is when the email is working, or when the internet is working, Sam and I are Skyping one night, um, and I hear the alarm go off. Because what we had was a, we were, we were air defenders, and at this time they were shooting rockets every day, just eight, ten rockets. And we had these... Um, these guns, these huge guns called the C-RAM gun, counter rocket artillery and mortar uh, weapon, and it shoots um, thousands of rounds of ammunition in the sky right. using radar towards the mortar. And so when the gun was getting ready to fire, there's just this loud alarm going off, incoming, incoming, man, man. It's horrible. It freaks me out to this day. But, but anyway, so I'm listening. We're talking on Skype, and, and the alarm goes off. I can hear it through her Skype. And, uh, and she just keeps on talking like nothing's happening. <laughs> And I was like, get to a, I started screaming, get to a bunker. What are you doing? She's like, oh yeah, that's not coming this way. It's going over there. And I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. Get to the bunker. Cause where we were, we were on a little bitty fob. Yeah. And if we heard the fob is forward operating base, we were on a little bitty base. And if you heard the alarm, you could see it hit wherever yeah. it was going to hit. Well, Baghdad was 15 miles across her, her, where she was. It was right in the middle of the city. Um, so, it literally could it could be ten miles away from her. Yeah, uh, I didn't have that luxury. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was weird. Yeah, and I'm you know I got mad and I told her from now on I don't care what it is. If, right. If the alarm goes off, you go to a bunker. Yeah. Because I care about you. <laughs> right. And that that had to have been just a um, I can't imagine it really. Holly orders my food for me, and um, I don't go to a restaurant and, and she orders. It, so Holly does everything for me. So I can't imagine. Um, you know, in a a place of war, you know, having someone so loved there. Um, obviously, I know you're close to your unit and things like that, but this was actually your fiance. Mm -hmm. And y'all are there on a on a on a purpose and a mission. But then on the other side, there's just so much love and attachment. It had just been terrible. So after that wrapped up, and you come home, um, you know, that's when, uh, of course, the band started up mm -hmm. and, and things like that. But you 
recently, and today's your birthday. Happy birthday, Oh, too. thanks. I appreciate that. And <laughs> also very um, kind of ironic we're talking about this on the day that, you know, uh, uh, that they uh, they pull out of Afghanistan yeah. and, and just kind of move the troops out. And that's, that's all over the news. And, uh, and I know there was a, a lot of... Uh, Young people that had um, they gave their life for that. I know that's just kind of a mm-hmm. as a as a veteran to that. How do you how do you feel about this day today? I mean, you may not want to get into it. I know with with that they they um, what our administration did move everything out. Kind of it's like y'all did all the work mm-hmm. and then you set up some things and then oh this didn't work. But I see you. Um, yeah. That's got to be kind of. I know you've been removed from it from some time, but do you have any feelings for about that? Cody today well you know I'm rather empathetic at least I try to be so I see it both ways Biden is right in the fact that they do need to sooner or later fight for themselves right yeah but uh, I can't really explain my thoughts on it Yes, on that hand, he they do, but on the other hand, we haven't really benefit been a benefit to them for the last five or six right. years. There's not been enough of a presence there for us with for for our military. We've sent we've sent a bunch of soldiers over for years and years and years, but but they don't want to be American, right? And it's uh, twenty years in. Yeah, and they, I think they. I mean, when this started. A lot of the the new guys going over had just been born when this this thing started. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe it is. Um, I've got mixed reviews from just people I, I talked to about that, and and didn't want to, to get bogged down with that. But we talked to just me and you talking one day. We talked about you know decompression and coming out of a uh, a war zone, and of course with mili- uh, you you're 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 so precise on you have you plan everything and you've got a. Um, a great you're a great scheduler <laughs> and uh you've got all your um your goal oriented very goal oriented was that something the military put into you or were you pre-military goal oriented where you had all your ducks in a row as far as this is what i'm going to do i know we talked about the, the band you ran you did have certain goals for yeah. that so were you a pretty goal oriented person always in your life yeah i've always been pretty goal oriented because not because I'm goal oriented per se, just because I'm OCD to a okay. pretty good extent. Like, I, it's not necessarily that I want to finish anything because Sam knows <laughs> I have trouble finishing things, <laughs> but I, I'm I really have to have it organized. And so yeah. a lot of times when I can't finish something, it's because it's not organized. Um, but yeah, I've just always been, I guess more, more more so organized, which helped me to achieve what. Now that I look back on were goals. Right. At the time, it was just me living and being organized and being habitual. And I guess, and again, the psychology of it is I drank a lot. So I felt like to counteract my drinking, I had to be really functioning. Right. I was, a, I was what psychology calls a high functioning uh, addict. Right. Um, most would have not known that I was an addict. They would have just thought I was just a party boy, yeah. enjoying you know drinking a few beers on the weekend. But in fact, I it was I was a high function addict. And so what happens is in that in that mindset is okay. Well, I'm going to be bad in these areas, 
And so that I can be bad in these areas and not feel as bad about that, I'm going to be really good in these areas. And so I devoted myself to organization. Right. Um, and again, not really setting goals, but just accomplishing things. Yeah. I, I have to feel like I have to accomplish things. Yeah. And now that I'm sober, that works so much better. Right. <laughs> well, it's like I hardly ever accomplish anything. I mean, I'm like the world's worst of starting this new deal or whatever. And uh, so to see someone as young as you that's, that, that's, that accomplishes, that sets goals and accomplishes the goals, and it's just, uh, it, it makes me feel like that maybe one day I'll have a, a shot at that. But I never finish anything. I just, uh, I'll start something, I just never finish it. Uh, you're never supposed to tell somebody there's, you know, you got two sets of goals. So you got your, what we call go up goals, mm-hmm. and you got your give up goals. Mm-hmm. I was, I was real silly at one time. I was sort of like, um, uh, was it Daniel that had the coat of many colors? Yeah, Daniel. Yeah. Daniel had all the yeah. brothers. Yeah, yeah. Or, was it Joseph? Joseph. Joseph in the Technicolor. Yes, it was Joseph. <laughs> Boy, I, found like, I sound like a novice, but Joseph had the coat, and Joseph made the mistake of, Sharing some of his go up goals with his brothers, <laughs> right. yeah, and that wound him almost getting killed, you yep. know, as they say in New Jersey. So, um, he was very foolish in that, you know, he's kind of a punk, to be honest oh, with you. He he yeah. Gonna go tell all this mess to a bunch of older brothers and, and stuff like that. So, I've always been a little at one time in my in my young life, I would share my, my go up goals, mm-hmm. like I would like to do this, like to do that, and when I always thought. You know, everybody was on your side and, and believed in that. But so I've learned in the uh, going forward that you don't necessarily share your your go up goals with just anybody. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't want you to do that on air. But what about some give up goals? Do you have anything like everybody's proud for someone that that say, "Oh, I'm gonna give up Dr. Pepper's that you yeah, fell yeah. off the wagon with." Huh. But you know, uh, so is there anything you want to touch on as far as give up goals, like coming into? You know, this post-COVID world, yeah. is there anything? I know you're big about uh, monitoring and, and, and fasting from social media, and you've got um, a detailing business that, that, that uh, stays pretty active on there. Mm-hmm. Of course, you've got someone running that mm-hmm. for you now. Uh, you're not nearly as active on social media as, um, you know, is that a part of a give-up goal of yours? Do you, do you I mean, share yeah. something that way? If that, if that makes it, that's clear as mud or whatever. So I have got to give up sugar. Right, yeah. Like, that's just, yeah. so y'all pray for me yeah. because I've got to. And everybody's happy uh, for that. Yes, Because everybody yes. wants to give up sugar. I am, I, I am not a diabetic, but I don't want to be. Right. Um, and I know that if I become one, it'll be because of my own fault. Right. It won't be because uh, there's people that are born with a genetic issue with their pancreas and their diabetic right. if, it, if i become one it'll be, it'll be my own fault and so and i don't want that um but i really like sugar right but that is one of my give up goals yeah. um i gave up social media um well like li- life choices yeah um I, i've chosen i've chosen some things in my life obviously the lord being the main thing but and I'm not preaching against social media right. or Facebook at all, but I would say that if if it's bad for you, yeah. like if you, what, what does the Bible say? Is, even if your hand is going to yeah. cause you to be lost, yeah. cut it off. Cut that because it'd be off, better man. to enter yeah. into life maimed. <laughs> yeah. Well, social media was maiming me. Oh, okay, 
It, it was, it was, and, and it wasn't the amount of time I was spending. It's just, I understand my triggers. Right. Um, I'm, I'm a psychology major, so I study these things. I, so I, I began over the last two years to understand what triggers me. Yeah. Um, and social media triggers me. And so I have to be careful. Um, I've currently, for the last month or so, been getting back on my business page a little bit. Yeah. And I don't have currently don't have personal social media um but and i and i see i see those patterns arising already and so that'll have to go again because and again when it comes to triggers i don't want to get stuck on that but when it comes to triggers the best thing you can do is figure out what triggers you and 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 use that to your advantage right um what triggers your trigger even you know um and so i figured that out and so i do a lot of fasting from social media Um, and I think that's great. Uh, you know, I have, um, you know, you get caught into a lot of, oh, Lord, you get caught into a lot of people that, that reach out to you and um, that need you. I mean, I, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but where I'm at, I get a lot of a lot of people that contact me via Facebook, via Instagram, not so much Twitter, because Twitter's lame. Uh, and if someone contacts you during LinkedIn, they may want a job or something. Yeah. Like, why even have a LinkedIn? I don't even know. But um, just every now and then, I'll say, you know, what? I'm going to stay off this mm-hmm. for two or three days. And I missed a conversation with a person one time that I should have been having. And the only way they knew how to get in touch with me is um, on a ah. Facebook. And um, just last night, I had a, a man that uh, we've been um, um We've been social media friends and followed each other for years. I've never officially met him, but his father passed away. Oh, my. And um, he reached out to me over over that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've always felt, I've always kind of, uh, people that enjoy what I do, make them mm-hmm. laugh, make them cry, whatever, I always felt like that I, I know the, I know the trigger points you're talking mm-hmm. about, and I, I've always sometimes given myself too much to, to making sure I was there for everybody, sure. you know. But social media is a part of our life. It, it is. It's something that's never going away. Mm-hmm. The church world, uh, and, and thank God I'm not against it, has embraced it so much. Things that I, I never thought would fly, church services on Facebook, uh, going live it's on amazing. Instagram. Really? It's amazing, really. It's a wonderful tool. <clears throat> and uh, so I'm, I'm hoping to continue with that. Um, and, of course, with our services being streamed, so many people being touched on that. But uh, so, well, let me say this. So, there's some, you talk about giving up. There's things that, as a Christian, you have to give up. And I've given up. But social media is one that, what I'm working towards, is ability to use it right without it triggering, yeah. without it being a problem. And so, I think that's, I guess that's one of my goals. Yeah, is to. And there's no way I can train myself. I've just got to have enough of a, of a relationship with Jesus yeah. uh, that it that it can be a benefit to yeah. me. But you know, there, there's there's times where at this point it's not really. Yeah. But I want it to be in the future. Sure. I want to because because you're right. How can nobody can? I can't. I can't even have a prosperous business in this day and age without social media. Right. Like I prayed and prayed for months. I was going to shut down my my business not business my, my social media accounts for my business because it had been months and I hadn't received a single message or, or, or a call because I ask everybody who calls me hey how'd you find me and they say oh well so and so told me yeah. generally it's a, it's a person to person reference so I thought well I'll delete it and 
It was like the week that I deleted it, like three people messaged. Right. Or not deleted that I was I was like, I'm gonna delete it Friday. And like three people messaged me. So I was like, oh you know, but in reality, although it may not be good for me, people that's what they use. Yeah. It's you become know? so ingrained in us. If we had to get away from it, I think if we pulled it out of us, it, it may kill us. And oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't say that negatively because Lord knows anybody knows me. I'm I don't sleep much and I'm uh, always uh, checking my Facebook and doing something like that. Uh, of course, again, I feel like that. So, and not I don't say this. More people have told me this than than I have ever said. But that that's a ministry that that, that oh, I yeah. do. And it is things like that. But we can't. As a society, the advertisements are, are there for us, the, the uh, keeping up with people. No one wants to talk on the phone anymore. Oh, no, like, right. like much less just hit me up on Facebook or, or, or text me or something like that. So it, we do need to learn how to walk in it. Right. You know? And um, you know, I was a pretty big opponent of not giving my kids a, a Facebook. I don't think he, Jackson and Ron don't have Facebook. They both have an Instagram account that's linked to me and Holly's account. But, um, you know, you're going to have to learn to swim. You're going to have to learn to walk. Mm-hmm. It. You're going to have to learn to use it to right. to the benefit of reaching out to people. Like I said, I have several people. I can't tell me people that's that, that's come to uh, come to the church because of, of of social media and things like that. Um, so I think it's very important that, um, and maybe that could be a class someone could teach about having how to navigate mm-hmm. uh, social media, just where not to go and what not to do. And sure, and, you know, and, and talking about trigger words, and, and there's just some things you don't. Even some innocent words that you could probably type in and get nothing's innocent out there anymore. I don't know. But you started, and, and I've watched you really grow with this addiction counseling you're, you're studying. Mm-hmm. And it kind of started, we had a, a uh, I'm going to talk about this at the, in, at the end here. Um, but we had Brother... Um, it's well, Brother Haddon. Brother Haddon mm-hmm. came and, and gave a... a um, he talked to us a, a day and a half about addiction and pornography and, and things like that. And um, obviously it was something that, that you took a great mm-hmm. deal and interest in as you started a podcast. Yeah. And the podcast isn't active right now. It's called Men of Integrity. It's a phenomenal podcast. Um, and you've, you've kind of shut it down simply because, and you told me the other day, I'll let mm-hmm. you talk about it, you've had so many interests from people want to talk to you about this. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yep, so Brother Haddon, a, a licensed counselor, wonderful guy, came to us, and he started his seminar with a, a spiel about you are not alone. Right. And that was his theme for the first two hours. And so the deal with pornography and with uh, sexual abuse and with um, molestation and all those different things is everybody thinks they're alone. It doesn't matter how much you read about it. it does, you can watch you can watch documentaries about it, but you still have that thought in the back of your mind that it was oh that was just only me. And and but the, the the truth of the matter is is when it comes to these things nobody nobody's alone. And I'm I'm gonna plug that as well. Yeah. Uh, the podcast, although I'm not. Um, recording it right now it's got all the episodes it's got everything that somebody would need to begin a, to get help yeah. do you mind if uh, i put a link i don't mind I'll it put, i'll put a link to that in this, this podcast. it's um and, and i'm not a subject matter expert in that i haven't i'm going to school for this right now but uh 
I'm an I'm I'm a subject matter expert by experience right. on a lot of those things. Um, so no, I don't have the the degree yet, and that's why I'm going is to get it so that I can have even more. Well, I want to be a subject matter expert on this, yeah. um, because uh, men need it. Men need it. They need to understand that they're not alone, and they need to understand that it's that it can be okay. Right. You know, um, it takes some time, but in reality, the Lord can do so much for you if you'll just give Him a little bit. Right. Um, we 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 study something. Uh, you know, the concept is retraining your brain. You know, you, you have a pathway that you take generally. You have a, a trigger that normally triggers you, and, and that can be changed. It, it just takes some time and information. Um, sometimes all you need to get started on something like that is information. Right. And so what I did is I, I posted this information via podcast, and I said it the way I wanted to say it, the way it resonated with me. Um, I took some pointers from Brother Haddon. I also took pointers from about 30 books that I had just crammed, right? Because although I wasn't fighting an addiction with pornography at that time, I had, and I, I did after I got the Holy Ghost. And so here's another—that's another misconception. Um, and I'm just gonna—I'm just gonna go ahead and plug all this because <laughs> why not? Yeah. If you're a gentleman out there and you've got the Holy Ghost and you're dealing with pornography, you, you don't—you don't have to, and you don't have to completely condemn yourself. I'm not saying it's okay, but it's more popular than you think. Right. You know? And so that's why I started that podcast because I wanted to let people know that they were, that they were not alone. And I even start mine with a, with a, a whole episode on t- telling people that they're not alone and giving just information because I believe information empowers. And to answer your question, I had a, an Instagram page that I started. And all I did was I followed just a few people and, and I posted on the... The, you know, in the podcast, you'll hear me talk about go to men of integrity um, on Instagram or whatever. And people started coming and they started messaging me right. and asking me to talk on the phone and to and to give them advice. And and I did on an on an experience based on my experience. And I always told them, you know, I'm not a counselor. Right. All I know is what I've been through, man. I'm just yeah. this is just dude to dude here. This ain't yeah. this ain't me being some somebody that I'm not. And and what happened is pastors started calling, um, texting me about their said a man in their church came to them and, and told them and they wanted to thank me and and they wanted me to counsel their their men. And I'm like, hey man, I, I, I'm not there yet. Right. All I know is. I mean, I'd be glad to come tell my story. Right. I'll be glad to come testify and and do this and that, but that's it, you know. And 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 so it came down to it that I finally talked to Brother Copeland about it. I said, "Hey, I, I'm overwhelmed. Yeah, there's too many people, and I'm not prepared." And so I shut the Instagram down. And I, again, they're, they're still recording out there. I still, you know, at the podcast, I reference books and I reference articles and all these things that you can get help with. Um, but until I get my degree, I'm going to stay out of the counseling yeah. realm because you really realize quickly, here, here, here's the deal. I don't have to have a degree to counsel anybody on the Holy Ghost. Right. I've got everything I need to, to lead somebody yeah. to God um, because God empowered me to do that. And I believe God's empowered me to, to be an addiction counselor. Yeah. 
I still need the information right. to do it. The Bible's giving me the information to lead somebody to the Holy Ghost. And that's what, you know, Brother Copeland always preaches it. Once you get the Holy Ghost, you're equipped. Right. Well, that's not the same way when it comes to addiction counseling. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I have experience, but. Yeah. And so, and that's why I sought school. Yeah. I, I, I have a full paid, you know, full ride, essentially, I won't have to pay a dime to go to school because of my military service. And so, why not? Yeah. (laughs) I'm excited about that because I know that you've got a, you can say, I guess you could use the word passion for that, for helping people and to let people know that uh, you're not alone and Mm -hmm. there's help for that, you know. Um, But so many different layers that, 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 you know, you've become uh, in my life as far as that. Um, again, um, every time we talk and sit down about something, um, you've always got something new you're doing or there's something I've just, I'm learning about, mm-hmm. like the piano. I didn't know you played piano. And then you started back, and I wanted to just touch before we end the podcast with, with painting and drawing. Mm-hmm. And uh, art is a, is a huge call for me. I love the art. Um, the art world. I wish there was more um, apostolic painters and, 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 and um, people out there. I know there's a few um, out there that do phenomenal work, but as an overall, it's it's not nearly as popular as the and you know for you know services sake, you know singing and mm-hmm. playing instruments stuff like that. But um, I would love to see a, a music, you know, a, a, um, a show, an art show mm-hmm. with some great apostolic painters. Just just uh, showing their artwork, whether it's pop art or Renaissance or realism or abstract art or whatever, you know. So um, you've been, we've been sharing photos yeah. of, of your recent work, and I'm going to put that uh, into the podcast. I like people to see what you're doing sure. on that. But um, talk at the end of this, I want you to talk a little bit about your love of art and how that's coming back around. Yeah. You think that's a healing thing that you're going oh, yeah. through right now? You know. <laughs> Kind of like music. Like I go through spells where I suppress it. Right. Yeah. And I know you, <laughs> yeah, you know it's no, about it. it frustrates me. Yeah. Like Cody, you need to do something. I'm not doing nothing anyway. Yeah. Go like I go through and I'm like I'm I'm selling my I'm guitar. Not, I'm you selling know? everything. And I'm I'm moving to Abu Dhabi. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that sometimes when it comes to music because I get so frustrated with it. Um. And so I only do things like that when I'm passionate about it. Yeah. I'm not I'm not quitting the guitar, but right. like I haven't played my guitar in like six months. I know. I'm not passionate about it right, right. now, but that will come back sure. because that's the way it's always been. Um, now art has always been a passion of mine but I, I do it for a specific reason okay so do you my, mind sharing I don't mind a bit yeah. my art is a tunnel vision okay when I used to draw like it would be I, I used to just do sketches right like and I did uh, pencil portraits was like all I really did I never did a lot of painting my mom always liked me to paint because she liked the colors and all things I like the black and white yeah Pencil portraits, um, but what I do, and I, I find myself just zoning in on it, and it's like everything drowns out. The sounds around me. I generally don't play music when I'm painting. Okay. I generally don't put any noise really? on. Okay. Um, I would like it to be dark. Yeah. And the only light be above me, looking mm-hmm. down at my canvas, and that's kind of the way I'm setting up my studio yeah. because, and I'm gonna paint late at night. The deal is, is right now in my life, I'm super stressed. Right. And, and that's okay. Yeah. But when you get super stressed, you've got to, yeah. you've got to do something about it. And I'm, I'm, I'm fine with stress. I've dealt with stress all my life. But, you know, I got 
I've got a business. I own a business. Right. I I work for another business. Right. I'm in school. I'm in church, and if you're Pentecostal, you know that's a right. It's and a then deal. You've got a brand new baby. I've got girl. a brand new baby. Right. Um, my wife and I we're constantly going through changes. Which again, I love all this stuff, but I noticed about a month ago that if I was getting short, and I, I don't have a temper. My wife says I does, but I don't. My right. wife says I do. Sorry, <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> but I, I'm regulating. Right. And so here's another concept of same with pathways and triggers you start to figure things out i'm i'm starting i'm trying to figure my mind out i'm working to what stresses me right what puts me in this position of because last night here's here's a just a a real example last night at at the mexican restaurant my friends took me out for my birthday and by the end of it i was so overwhelmed and overstimulated that i was literally I, i was about to flip wow i could not I said, Sam, I've got to get out of here. Yeah. And 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 all I wanted to do was go home and paint. Yeah. That was because I used to would have went home and drowned myself in beer. Right. I used to would have called whoever I could and and, and got some weed or something like that. Yeah. That's what I would have done in that scenario. In a stressful scenario, yeah. that would and so instead of ever even and I'm not even thinking about going out back to alcohol. Right. I'm not. But if I didn't have something You sure. You know, yeah, um, and, and you know the deal is is when I paint, I can easily pray. Yeah, oh yeah. I, I zone in on it so much. Again, I I, I like it late at night mm-hmm. when everybody's asleep. It's quiet. The it's ultimate peaceful. creator. Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> I think when you create, especially with uh, uh, paints or pencils or something like that. Me personally, I feel like that's a uh, that's God. Because that's what he's doing. That's what he does. God yeah. always creates some. Mm-hmm. I'm always blown away when Yahoo or Google throw up a new ad, a new article about scientists find this, uh, <laughs> find this uh, ancient tree frog. And I'm like, no, God did that yesterday just to blow y'all's mind. Sure, God's constantly creating. Um, I had a friend of mine, one of my best friends. He's like, uh, man, if you see one sunset, you've seen them all. And I like, bro. No, no. Every sunset's different. Uh, I've t- my son Jackson loves sunsets, and I'm so glad because God paints a new one he every does. day, and it's just so. I'm so thankful that you're getting into uh, getting that back up. So I, the Creator, God is the ultimate Creator, yes. and He does so many wonderful things every day. So I think when you're doing that, obviously it'll help you with your stress, but oh, yeah. it'll open up a different level of, mm-hmm. of um, I think, spiritual uh, spiritual growth in you. Oh, yeah. So. Well, and everything we do as Christians should be towards our spiritual growth. Right. You know, your podcast right now is going to help you grow spiritually. Oh, sure. You know, and, and everything... I didn't mess up the Daniel Joseph thing earlier. But... Well, there's room for growth. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, boy. But that's yeah. why we do these yeah. things. Yeah. We, we can do them for personal reasons. Yeah. Because that's the deal. It, it, things can be most multifaceted. Right. I, I have a plan for my art. Sure. But it, it's not only to paint and to relieve stress. Right. It, there's other plans for it as well. Because um, I, I don't really do anything in my life that I can't... Let me put it this way. The Bible is okay with us having things as long as we don't have them for vanity's sake. Right. And so... Um, and what that means is if it, if it doesn't profit you, why have it? Right. You know, and it's not all money. Sure. It's not all talking about, well, because there's, there's things in my life that profit me so much. Again, painting profits me more than money could give me. Right. I could double my income tomorrow and painting 
at least for the next month or so. I might, (laughs) but there's no way I can, I can get what painting does for me. Therefore profitable. And, and, you know, to others, it might not, it might be kind of hard to understand, but, but that's just what it is. Uh, and that's, I think that's why we do podcasts. Yeah. That's why we put our time to these, these things is because we need them. Right. We really need things like this in our life. Christians, uh, Pentecostals, all of us, we, we've got to dive our minds into the things of God. And this is a thing of God that you're doing. You know, it's a great thing. Well, I'm hoping that it is. And I feel like um, I've become passionate about talking to people. And um, so, and I want to share the stories of people that are doing something for the kingdom of God. Again, uh, and again, just telling everybody out there, the um, the Bible study, we didn't, we didn't have time, we're, or we're, we've talked all night, <laughs> but uh, the Bible studies that you have on Thursday nights, uh, so many people coming to the Lord on that. You know, you've become kind of the... The go-to, I know Brother Roger Simpson, I want to talk to him about some things. Brother Roger Simpson is a tremendous um, Bible study teacher, and you're right mm-hmm. there behind him just doing that, working for the kingdom with, uh, with you know, like I said, a, a business and working for a business and a, um, a, a whole family. So you're doing so many great things. So very pleased with that, uh, excited about your growth. You've become one of my good friends, uh-huh. a sounding board. I love you, but I want to tell you, um, I see you, and this is going to sound crazy, but you, you, uh, the Lord has leapfrogged you in so many ways. Um, I've seen people struggle for several years. People that's in the church for 20 years still trying to get a hold of what the Lord's given mm-hmm. you in just a few short years. You've grown leaps and bounds, and I'm so pleased to call you friend. And yeah. uh, like I said, uh, again, Cody Thrash, Men of Integrity podcast. Uh, he's going to get that fired back up. You can. I'll put links to that. We're going to try to find a, a picture of uh, Sister Sam sitting on Hudam Hussein's uh, throne. That would be great, as long as um, you know uh, we don't have any Taliban around looking for her. She could still be wanted in in the country. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and then I want to put some links to his uh, his artwork. Just so many things he's got going. Uh, he's also we didn't even have a chance to talk about uh, some of the songs. He's he's a uh, uh, writing um, for hopefully for our choir and things like that. So many different mm-hmm. things going on. Man, Cody, I appreciate you, man. I love you. I Thanks appreciate you as well. Here, Thank you so much for having me. I, I, I really... I want to honor you in this, and and I thank you so much. You are a good friend of mine. You know, we talk about so much because you're easy to talk to and you're a good listener. And so another reason why this is a great idea. Well, so no. I do appreciate you. You... Uh, <laughs> You uh, you take my my I come out I know I'm fussing sometimes it seems like but you take it with a, a how do you, I guess not a grain of salt but you always correct me well, and you do it in such a perfect way and I do appreciate that. Well, I've got a good mother-in-law that's, that does that to me every day <laughs> and, my, <laughs> and my wife so I appreciate it, Cody thank you man. <laughs>